0: Cynthia, let's talk NFL MVP. I see Tom Brady. I see the second most touchdowns. (laughs) I'm trying to do this quick. That's why. Just so you can get to it. All right. Welcome to Game Theory and Money Week 16. We only have two regular season weeks left. That does not minimize the pod because, man, do we have a lot of different playoff scenarios. Granted, there's a handful of spots that are locked in, but a couple others that have so many options. And that is why we are excited to get Cynthia Freeland's 10,000 computer simulations. Uh, And what they do is give you an idea, a guide, and a better idea of what is going to happen in the NFL's future. Before it does, think of her as a time traveler, Uh, one with two predictive analytics degrees from fancy universities and a big brain and her own simulation that uh, can help predict what is likely, most likely to happen. Now, Cynthia, does it always happen that way? Nope. But you got a better chance of having it happen your way than by just casting your fate to the wind, correct? Sure. That's why we go through this. So today we're going to start with a little something different, as a matter of fact. One, uh, a little bit later in the show. We have Coach Brian Billick. You sat down with him yes. and he had a long conversation. Uh, a great guy to have around when he comes in town and is at NFL Network. Uh, really fun to pick his brain, and you had a chance to do that for about 20 minutes, so we'll play that in a little bit. But first, let's get started with the MVP race because a few weeks ago, we talked about the MVP bowl between Carson Wentz and Russell Wilson. Now they're both out.
1: They are. So first of all, I need to back up and thank you for coming in today because I know uh, you are not feeling well and there is no harder worker or no better person than you, Matt Monty-Smith. Uh, thank you for coming that. in. Happy holidays. I really appreciate Happy it. This is a great well. Christmas present for me. I really, <laughs> really appreciate it. Well, good
0: because it's all I got you. So <laughs> I'm glad you appreciate
1: it. All right. So with Carson Wentz being not playing anymore and with Russell Wilson after back-to-back losses, it's pretty sure that both of them are kind of out of the MVP race, even though I can make a strong argument for Russell Wilson and his 33 of the team's 34 touchdowns, meaning 97% of their touchdown productivity, all accounting for from him. I still don't think he's going to win the win the race. A non-playoff
0: uh, participant Very is hard. not going to win the MVP this year with the way that Tom Brady's playing. I think you right. just kind of make that your default, and then we have every conversation off of Brady. How do they take it away from Tom Brady?
1: Well, first of all, Antonio Brown, the calf injury, probably means in this kind of outside chance that a wide receiver potentially would win MVP. I think that one kind of also, if you get hurt, it seems to really reduce your MVP odds. But I want to talk to you about Drew Brees. I think he has a legitimate chance now. Whether or not he actually wins the award, that's a different thing. There's 50 voters. They work for the AP. They're human beings. They're not a computer. They don't use 10,000 computer simulations. That is to not my the knowledge, name I would
0: have thought you were going to bring <clears throat> up. Where do
1: you think I was going, Alex Smith?
0: No, I just it, to me, you know, I, I, it's funny because it's the year that Drew isn't really doing everything for his team. I think if you were to to combine Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. Into one everyone player. said
1: everyone says to me, they're like, Hey, um, you know, he's not even the best player on his own team, maybe.
0: Yeah, I mean that that's what I'm saying though. It's been the running game, but because I think the running game is is two pronged instead of one person, that's why maybe it's not a Well Matt as Ryan had attention. a top
1: five running rushing offense last season it was not so much to was more Devonte Freeman last year than Tevin Coleman but he's still at a top five which is exactly where Drew Brees is but I want to point out so looking historically first of all I just have to say why has he never won the MVP before this is the only quarterback in the NFL history, who has five, more than one, so four more than one 5,000-yard passing seasons. It's not going to happen this season because of the efficiency in the run game, but his overall, his completion percentage is a career high. It's also the NFL high. If you look at how he's getting it done, fourth quarter, he has more air yards than he has in the first three quarters. So it's not that he's only relying on Alvin Kamara and Uh, Mark Mark Ingram, Ingram, he's also getting it done in passes and situations that matter. So, again, if your completion percentage goes up and your yards per attempt, and if you look at, Breaking those air yards per or those yards per attempt down to air yards versus yards after the catch. It's his air yards are going up too. This is a person who perennially has kept his team in it despite having lousy defenses, and now that his defense is playing more complementary football and helping him out, we're punishing him for so we're you're punishing going, him.
0: You're, <laughs> if, if I am to interpret your position, uh, this is more of a career achievement award for Drew Brees because you can't make the you can't make the argument that he's having a better season than Tom Brady. He's better plays. against
1: the blitz. He's better in short passing situations. There's like a, there's a number record. of ways you could you could make the I mean, with I'm advanced not saying analytics, you're with saying, advanced okay. analytics. Like if you take it contextually. Now, am I saying that Tom Brady doesn't deserve it? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying I'm just that, trying to
0: figure out how he wins it. How, uh, how does Drew right. Brees get more MVP votes than Tom Brady playing the same position with general uh and, and this is almost like the baseball MVP debate, right? Uh Well, Mike Trout wore, well, yeah, (laughs) but Miggy Cabrera, triple crown, and and that's, it it feels like we're having that debate right now. I'm doing the triple crown debate, and you're doing the advanced analytics.
1: Well, and also you have to look at, look at Tom Brady, look at the division he's in versus the division Drew Brees is in. Drew Brees, the NFC South, literally all three of those, uh, three of the four teams could be in the playoffs, very realistically. So look at, in my opinion, if you look at the the track record for this season with Drew Brees, it really is something that you. Can make a strong, strong, strong and legitimate case. I'm not taking it away hey, from look. Tom Brady. I'm just saying, you know he how should I feel about Pete.
0: I love Purdue Pete. Yeah. I love Drew Brees. Purdue Pete. Uh, <laughs> it would be fantastic for him to get an MVP in his career. I do not disagree whatsoever. I just don't know if those voters are going to, you know what, we're both going to be wrong and Todd Gurley's going to win it because the Rams going <laughs> to go 12 and
2: 4. Third and 3 at the 33. Falcons lead by 3 with just ahead of eight minutes to play here tonight in Tampa. Ryan under center, tosses Freeman right side, needs a block, gets it, 20, 15, 10, Freeman will walk into the end zone for the Falcon touchdown.
0: Well, a big win for the Falcons there as they keep their playoff hopes alive, deal a blow to the Seahawks, the Lions, and the Cowboys, and boy, haven't we heard about the Cowboys and all the things they need to go right in order to work their way into it, and it starts with the Falcons, and the Falcons not winning out or this NFC South sort of taking care of itself because all three of these teams are playing one another in these final two weeks. Cynthia, let's get to your playoff model and what has changed from week 15 to now week 16, or I should say week 14 to week 15. In, in what what we're looking at come the postseason.
1: Well, the Vikings finally got into that number two slot so they can get off my timeline. Just kidding. <laughs> um, there you go. But no, the, <laughs> the Rams and the Saints now are really have really high odds. The Panthers really only need to win this game this week in order to secure that number five spot. And really we're talking about what's the difference between who's going to be the sixth person in. The Seahawks took a nosedive with a loss this past week. The Lions kept themselves in it and the Cowboys obviously did themselves some favors as well, and should Philadelphia decide to rest players next week, so should the Cowboys win this week and Philadelphia rest next week, that's kind of the, the Cowboys' easiest path in, so for right now, it has Falcons and then Seahawks and Lions and Cowboys just on the outside.
0: So right now, you have all three of those NFC South teams making it in, even though the Falcons play the Saints, play the Panthers, and I guess it does that then suggest that the Falcons are going to win both of those games? Is that kind of how? No, we look at okay. This? So here's
1: here's how to look at it. the not, The chances of them losing aren't as bad as the chances of the Lions not being able to overcome the because the Falcons only need you. really one, right? It's it's not necessarily you know it's it's where's the tiebreaker? What's the situation? Do I think that the Falcons have a better chance of losing or bring of winning those two last games? No. It's combined with it's the combined. Cowboys
0: maybe losing one of two Correct. to either the because the right. you have to remember that right. someone's
1: playoff chances are dependent on what happens for other people as well. So for example, you know, when you look at the Panthers' odds being at almost ninety percent for that number five, that really reflects that all they need is this one win. Just right. one win. Right, so it doesn't really matter what the Lions or Cowboys do for the sake of the Panthers at all. You I get you. Know, you know what I'm saying? Yes. So that's right. kind of that.
0: All right, and let's shift to the uh the AFC because there is a lot up for grabs in the AFC with those two wild card spots and four teams kind of jockeying for those final two spots.
1: Yeah, so those those two if you look to see this week, so obviously Patriots, Jags, Steelers, all you know,
0: 100%. 100%. They're moving
1: in. on in, right? But then when you look, like the Chiefs, they probably figure to win it this week against Miami. I mean, there are some, they have some flu going around there, too, so you can relate. Maybe you got it from them. Maybe I did. Maybe you got, it, maybe from maybe maybe that's you what got it from them.
0: Chiefs not only gave the Chargers a loss, but they gave me the stinking flu. <laughs> <Thanks> <laughs> I blame them. I blame yes, them. I'll take it.
1: <laughs> and then the Ravens and Titans and Bills. And Chargers really do have, you know, it's a huge drop-off. So the Ravens in that, right now, in the projected five spot with 84.5, and then the is only 20.3, you know, four slots lower. So it's a precipitous drop off. And I do want to point out that the Raiders are still alive technically. They're just not in the Chiefs model have anymore. To lose out. The, right. Yeah. The Chiefs have to lose out. So they're they're not in here because it's it, I think it's something like 0.05% that they would make it into the playoffs. The, it's not very high.
0: The the thing, you know, just because I've got to pay attention to this stuff on paper the Titans, and we, we brought this up last week before the Plummet. 49ers game. We said, look, Plummet. this is a huge one for the Titans because they can work that ninth win and find themselves in this conference showdown. Oh, if, they, if they
1: end up with the same record as the – if somehow the, like, the Titans, Bills, Chargers, Dolphins all have the same, then the Dolphins go because they have the tiebreaker over all of them. With conference record. With conference record. They which have is to win out, though. Correct. Well, they all have to have the same right. – They have to have the same record for that to be the right. – The same final record for that so, to be the and case.
0: So basically, the Ravens get the Colts and the Bengals, and
1: I think the Ravens are pretty much ten and six. You feel like they're going to win. I feel very strongly about about the Ravens. And by the way, the Ravens are the only team in the past ten years to not be in the number one or number two spot in the AFC that have made the Super Bowl, even won the conference championship. And they're the only, and they they obviously won that Super Bowl as well. But they're the only one. Otherwise, that one and two spot for the past ten years has all determined the Super Bowl. Participant from the AFC. Ten years. Colts,
0: Steelers, Pats. Colts,
1: Steelers, Pats. Colts, Steelers, Pats. Right. Yeah. Basically, (laughs) Broncos. (laughs) A little Broncos in there too.
0: So that obviously is going to change. uh, With the Titans playing a tough one at home against the Rams, the Bills a tough one on the road. Keep that slide. They got to stop them sliding. Chargers on the road against the Jets. Rams with four times as many yards today as the Seattle Seahawks. 279-64. to Trips right formation. Goff comes under center to put his hands to his head and bark out a command. Now he backs up into the gun. Silent count has the snap. Scrambles to his right and throws Gurley in the flat. Gurley at the 10. Gurley goes in. His fourth touchdown of the day. Three on the ground and now one through the air. Sean McVay celebrates. Gurley going off in Seattle. Well, the aforementioned uh, Tennessee Titans against the Rams. Titans let it slip away. They got Jimmy g last week in the final, what, 64 you called it. seconds. You called it. Titans, 49ers.
1: You're not going to like this one. I'll like it. If <laughs> Tennessee coming out on top. I'm taking Jimmy 20. g Fifty-six percent. I love you, some Jimmy
0: Garoppolo, man. Oh, I love Jimmy Garoppolo too. Man, I love that guy. It is. You want to talk about someone who is making money in in the end of the season? It was. I cannot recommend it enough. NFL Films put out a four-minute piece on that game-winning drive, and it is as compelling Mm -hmm. as any foot. And football videos always are because there's so much emotion. And if anything, NFL
1: Films does. I'm. It's just. They are so good.
0: Just. It was. It's. It's like watching. It is very reminiscent of watching Tom Brady and all those NFL films when you see him talking to Marquise Goodwin, talking to his his position coach, talking to the court. Hey, did you see this? I noticed that safety's leaning in. If we can get Marquise to break in and then the play runs and bang, right in stride, in position, game-winning field goal. And now here we are, Rams and Titans. Titans now in must-wins the final two. And this does not look like a very inviting schedule for the final look like two. This not like a very
1: great winning situation. And in fact, my model agrees with you. I have the Rams coming out on top, twenty-seven, nineteen. That's a pretty significant win. You know, your my model, model's very yeah, stingy. Very much. Very so. stingy little model right there. It could even be less for the Titans. So the down arrow in the model points down for the Titans because the Rams are allowing nine or fewer, po- less than nine points over the past. 10 games compared to the first four. So they've decreased these from 26.3 to 16.7. So about nine fewer points per game over the last four games. That's pretty significant. The the
0: thing about the Titans that we brought up last week going into that game, um, and I know it's not predictive or advanced analytics, but it's, um, it's yeah, that's true. I should say advanced analytics. It's just their point differential. The mm-hmm. fact that this is a team that is supposed to be in the playoffs and they have a negative point differential, it is just that's a so, huge yeah, red flag. It is so hard that for me to get around too. a team and get behind a team that has that hanging over their head.
1: So Mariota is the third worst passer rating versus the blitz this season. So it's about 15 points lower, passer rating points lower than the season average. And the Rams blitz the ninth most often. We saw what kind of pressure Ooh. blitz we saw
0: we started to feel sorry for russell wilson
1: it, well yeah he needs a no line to help him out a little bit there um so and we, mariota has a much better offensive line he has a considerably he better has a considerably offensive better offensive line yeah. absolutely but you still saw what you you could visually see what that o-line has to contend with in this matchup so that's the kind of thing that really the, the extraordinary pressure is a extremely predictive um, statistic in that case. So one fun fact Kay. It's kind of fun. I love
0: fun facts. Right,
1: the Tennessee's defense has not allowed a touchdown to a wide receiver in four games. I think that's going to change in this one. It's just kind of more fun fact. Than and they have else.
0: one of the best rush defenses too. Right. You think about Todd Gurley. I think they've allowed five rushing touchdowns.
1: Yes, five rushing touchdowns.
0: So, I mean, it's a great defense. but It's a great defense. We saw Jimmy Garoppolo carve him up in the final minutes, so we'll see if Jared Goff and Todd Gurley can keep this going. So I have
1: going. Gurley as my number two running back for the week behind Lev Bell, and you know, listen, I have Sammy Watkins seeing the end zone. He's the one that's most likely. Is it going to be Cooper Cup? It's potentially, but the Robert point Woods, is, is yeah. right, there's a lot of people who could okay. catch it. I think they break that streak now. But one thing to keep an eye on as we head into the playoffs that I really like about this Rams team is, there's, is, is kind of what you see in the in the special teams, obviously they just lost Huge Greg loss. Zerline to the injured Huge reserve, loss. so that's going to be an interesting one. They have a seventy or ninety five percent, uh, you know, their field goal and kicking like they're they're
0: yeah, I think he's uh ninety five percent. I want to say he's twenty six of twenty eight and. Something. It's like yeah. 44 or 44 Second best, points. Yeah. Second
1: best in the NFL. The average is about 84%. So he's like, that's, y- yeah. y- listen, you watch Chargers games? Much He's, like, he's the Pro Bowl deal. kicker for right. the NFC.
0: they lost the best kicker in the NFC but going into the playoffs.
1: Underrated, someone low key keep an eye on Johnny Hecker. They have, the Rams have the best starting field position. They have the most punt returns of 20. Obviously, he doesn't do the punt returning, but like, they're, they're good on special teams. But and their Pro
0: Bowler, Farrell Cooper, does. I mean, it's exactly. special. It's, it's crazy. Their returner, their punt their kicker all made the Pro Bowl
1: as and very well deserving yeah and, so and Johnny Hecker low-key his, uh, his yards are really a big difference maker as you head into more tricky games and harder you know I'm not saying that the Titans are an easy one necessarily but as you head into difficult games those hidden yards are 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 really important
0: Okay, I will. Uh, I'll join you. Take I'll another. take the Rams and I'll take them uh, by double digits. Guys. Double digits. You okay. Got, you got it. What? Eight points. I'll yeah. go ten. All right. Bills. All right. Patriots. Winner. Score.
1: The winner, Patriots. The score, twenty-nine to eighteen.
0: Ooh. Again, your model.
1: The model's getting feisty. <laughs> so we brought up before that Tom Brady's passer rating under pressure is number one in the NFL. It's ninety-nine. It's about twenty something points. Twenty-two points higher than the league average, which is sixty-seven point one. The thing that you want to see about the Bills here, and this is where this maps, they have they bring the second lowest pressure, so the second lowest pressure rate in the league, but when they do bring the pressure, they have the third lowest passer rating allowed, so they have effective pressure. They just aren't consistent with it. So, congratulations, Tredavious White. That's a good rookie acquisition sure for them. Is. He's a great low. I think he has something like four interceptions and 11 pass breakups, which is the most amongst rookies, which is even more than Marshawn Lattimore. And then number 57, so Lorenzo Alexander. you got to watch and see where he is on every play. Teams have to account for him. He's a difference maker on that defense. So, again, it's kind of an interesting stat. If they get pressure, they do a great job on the back end covering it, and the passer rating goes really low, but they just don't bring pressure very often. And I want to talk about, obviously, the three-headed monster, Burkhead Lewis and James White. They all have top 15 passer ratings when Tom Brady targets them. Uh, Rex Burkhead has 124 passer
0: rating. So a huge or, well, loss. That Tom Brady does when he... So does Deion Lewis just pick that up? I mean, Deion is it James Lewis, White? Who, who so, gets all that, that good Rex Burkhead love?
1: So I've, I've been trying to map this one out because everybody always wants to know who to play in fantasy for this. So for me, it projects to be Dion Lewis primarily because he's the best one at forcing missed tackles. His elusive rating, or whatever you want to call it, is very, very high in that case. So, to, again, do I know what they're going to call no. Right. But I think if you're if you're taking an educated guess, it's Dion Lewis. So it's an interesting one. The other problem here I want to point out with Tyrod Taylor. So the the Patriots, by the way, only bring the third lowest pressure. So they're not pressuring opposing quarterbacks at a high rate. But I think that's strategic because if you look to see what happens when they do pressure and look at what so what is Tyrod Taylor got? Intermediate passes. He has a hundred and eighteen passer rating and you know, obviously that's to Charles Clay. So that's his you kind of see how where, where those are mapping out. And if you look to see what, what's going on with the Patriots, they're improved in this intermediate, like their passer rating against intermediate passes has gone significantly down in weeks 10 to 15. It's 44. like a, That's nothing. Like that's almost right. a dirt ball. So uh, ultimately, the, the Patriots are being strategic about their pressures and how they're defending it.
0: And I would say, you know, the Bills. It, it, look, it's impressive. They they have a path. If they win out, yep. they likely won't. They, they will make the postseason if they win out. Um, it just the way again their schedule lays out. Having the Patriots here, a team that already hammered them at home, 23 to three, and is still still needs to win games in order to 100% lock up that number one seed. Yep does not bode well for them in Foxborough. I I don't have to say much. And you are 100%
1: playing LaShawn McCoy, though. Yes. You know, 113 attempts against loaded boxes. Most rushing yards, loaded boxes. I mean, you're playing LaShawn McCoy.
0: I mean, it's the championship round. He's been great. Uh, I'm with you. Double digit win. Let's go to the big one. Falcon Saints. Do the Falcons playoff hopes stay alive?
1: So they stay alive because of all the other things that have to happen in order for them to not be alive but anymore But they're not going to
0: help their own cause.
1: <laughs> but I don't believe in this is a game where they are helping their own cause. I had the Saints coming out on top 28 23. Alvin Kamara being a huge difference maker. Marshawn Lattimore, I want to point out these two amazing rookies in this situation. Obviously, you can look back to two, a week ago and see Lattimore versus Julio Jones. You saw a lot of good things in that case for Lattimore. Matt Ryan to Julio Jones this season is down to a 68 passer rating from 97 last year and only a 23% completion percentage from 39. He had that one kind of monstrous game against Tampa Bay, and we've seen that deep passing not be a source of consistency um, in in this season also just something that flags in my model is kind of troubling and, and sort of sneaky the Falcons defense only has four interceptions which is tied for the low it's the same with the Raiders which we remember before the Raiders didn't even have a single interception until right. like four weeks ago so something kind of something kind of crazy there and then when you map that to kind of what drew Brees my potential MVP candidate is doing his
0: work that in there
1: that's right the number four passer rating on passes outside the numbers and then Atlanta's defense allows the sixth worst so the most sixth most generous passer rating outside the number so mapping up where they do their damage just means you're playing Kamara obviously you're playing Mark Ingram who by the way both of them have ridiculous yards per carry Camara leads the league I think uh Mark Ingram's five with 5.1
0: Kamara I, I don't know if he'll be qualified at end of season I know they right. say 100 carries usually qualifies you but I'm right. not sure how they would work that over the course of a full season but I mean he would end up with the greatest single season yards per carry in the history of the NFL
1: yep that's pretty good
0: so turns out yeah
1: turns out he's Pretty good. So also I wanted to point out when you when you looking to see what kind of rushing they're doing. So we're, we we dig deeper here. We're more advanced in okay, this. Okay, what do we got? So we want to talk about outside runs. So not in the middle. Outside runs, right? So the Falcons defense allows 4.4 yards per carry on outside runs. That's the 10th most highest in the NFL. In- Ingram and Kamara both are top four highest yards per carry on outside runs specifically. Uh, Kamara, 7.9 yards per attempt. That's ridiculous. That. <laughs> I, mean, it's ridiculous. I, d- I mean, it's just funny. And then, by the way, 126.1, that's his passer rating. Uh, that's the passer rating when targeting Kamara. That's ridiculous. And Atlanta allows the fifth highest catch rate to people coming out of the backfield.
0: So, doesn't us. it's not a good matchup for the Atlanta defense. The weird thing about the Falcons, though, is you look at their last whatever six, two, yep. four, six, seven games. I mean, it's a tight loss to Minnesota. It's a tight loss to Carolina. Yep. And they're winning, you know. They're they're winning games. It's it's hard to just dismiss them. I think, although summarily, we all want to. I'm not dismissing to, them. I'm not um, dismissing.
1: Them. Look, 28-23 is a closer game in the model. And also, I want to point out this one's really fun. Both quarterbacks, so they've they've uh, met each other 18 times. Okay. Okay. And both quarterbacks have averaged over 295 passing yards over the course of those 18 meetups. In other words. Both fully playable in fantasy. I'm there not saying go. Matt Ryan's going to get crushed. I'm just saying I think the Saints have the That's advantage. That's the in Superdome.
0: One. I love the Saints fans. Uh, Drew Brees is almost impossible to beat in there. So I'll uh, I'll join you on that. Man, I'm trying to to get an, an adverse opinion here. I should say an opposite opinion, an opposing opinion. There we go. I'll spit it out. Uh, but I just can't. I'm with you, Saints you, uh, by at least five. That's you think Devontae
1: Freeman ends up as a top five running back this week?
0: Um, he's gonna have to. Yep. You know, he's going so. to have to, especially with. Although that, you know what, this sets up. Doesn't this set up to be like the great return of Julio Jones? Totally. Like, he's been hundred percent absent the last and three Kenny four Vaquero weeks. And has not yeah. has been not
1: so. maybe not playing. So that's oh, injuries always. A key I'll take factor. the Saints,
0: though. I want to keep the dream of Drew Brees MVP alive since you planted that seed. Dolphins Chiefs. Um, uh, what happens here? Can the Chiefs build off that huge primetime victory last week and basically lock up? The AFC West.
1: Yeah, I think they do. I think yeah. the Chiefs come out on top, twenty-four seventeen. I do want to point out that Eric Fisher and Travis Kelsey have both been ill this week. They, you, been you must have gone out partying with them, Again, and you guys all got sick. Should have so not gone out dancing, right? Dancing. <laughs> you and Eric Fisher dancing. That's it was what like it an was. Amazing mental picture for me. It's what it is. Um, but you know, obviously, that could drive this. That actually did sort of drive the score down in terms of, you know, I think, you know, maybe like 25, 2017, 20, like if they're not playing, then it, it it's potentially fewer points on offense because Travis Kelsey's just such a horrible mismatch for most teams and in including Turns the Dolphins. Turns out he's pretty good. Um, I do want to point out that um, the Chiefs defense, they are still allowing the most rushing plays of 10 plus rushing on first down. They're like number 31 in that, you know, they don't rank better than 25th, so, you know, eighth or whatever, eighth worst, in most of the first down rushing categories that you could even imagine. So Kenyon Drake is still fully playable despite the kind of r- the bad game script for Mi- the negative game script for Miami. Um, I want to point out also in this one that obviously we're keeping – we're keeping tabs on play calling since Matt Nagy took over in week 13, you know, 29 points per game and 7.1 yards per play. It's all about the deep passing 5.3 deep attempts per game. You know, obviously Alex Smith has earned and consistently earns the best 20 plus, you know, passer rating for the season. And the one thing that stands out to me on this one is like, okay, so how do we evaluate Kareem Hunt? Well, let's evaluate Kareem Hunt on first down, right? So on 160 first down carries, he's got like almost 900 yards and an average of like 5.4 yards per carry. He's forced 32 missed tackles. I mean, he has 14 runs of 15 or more. These are all areas that are not too favorable when it comes to potential to target the Dolphins defense in this matchup
0: the uh the thing that i'll i'll share just going back to the statistics from last week is that the chiefs need turnovers they do they, they, they are thrive. very turnover they dependent are totally turnover dependent mm-hmm. they um in their wins now they have uh eight in their eight wins uh they have produced 18 turnovers that i believe i'm trying to think so last week they had but does jay Keller ever turn over brings, the ball yeah it turns out right so yeah and they're so I think it's, yeah, I believe it's 18 turnovers that have produced somewhere close to 65, 70 points, and all of their losses, they have two that have produced zero points. So right. it is a very turnover-dependent team, and I think that's because it's well, a gambling this, right? defense. Well,
1: okay, look, there's this a great stat for you then. When, when they blitz, when the Chiefs defense blitzes, they give up the second-worst passer rating. In other words, so like blitz hasn't been working for them, so they've gotten away from it. They stick to just pressures, two different things.
0: Yeah. And that's, look, Melvin Gordon had his best game, I think, of the season right. against him. So they have to create those turnovers. And like you said, it plays well. I'll take the uh, the Chiefs as well. All right. We're still in, still uh, working together here. How about Seahawks-Cowboys? This is an elimination game.
1: It is totally elimination game. Actually, kind of for both teams. Right. Um, Cowboys, 27-21 is my final score. Now, this one, we've got some injuries that are very tricky in this one. KJ Wright looks like he's going to play. So as of Thursday morning, this is when we're recording this. KJ Wright practiced yesterday. It seems like signs are pointing up for him. But Bobby Wagner didn't practice yesterday. Doesn't see. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to to play or if he it's a big if one. he plays, he's not a hundred percent. And also Zeke back. Yeah, that's a pretty big one. Zeke back. Um, and then left tackle Tyron Smith for the Cowboys. That's a another one who's questionable that could make a huge difference in terms of keeping Dak Prescott clean. So. Just Tyron Smith, when he doesn't play, the sack rate goes up like to 12%, no. something from like 2%, some some crazy things. So, first of all, I want to give you my Zeke projection because I think every third person has tweeted me about that. So, my projection is 111 total scrimmage yards on three receptions, a rushing touchdown. He's my number five running back of the week. Not number one, that's Love Bell. Not number two, you should have already heard that in the podcast. If not, rewind it and listen to it again. Number five, Ezekiel Elliott. I'm putting him at number one. You're putting him in number one. I'm going to go like 80 carries.
0: I'm going what DeMarcus Lawrence said. He thinks he's going to get 80 carries. So I'm with I'm with DeMarcus.
1: We should have DeMarcus on the pod because he obviously knows a lot about analytics. 80 carries. Yes.
0: 80 carries. Yep. Doug Marone's going to take a sabbatical from Jacksonville (laughs) so he can install his plan from early in the season. I don't ever want to pass it. 80 carries Ezekiel Elliott. And again, I'm in concert. I'll take the Cowboys. Perfect as well. Boy, we agree on all of this. I want to point
1: out one thing that we, I'm, I'm still looking at my rookies here. So we talk about Russell Wilson. You can't help but talk about, well, rushing, obviously, but also his ability to be incredible deep passing. Number five passer rating 101, but with like very little help from a, pre, you know, from his O-line in order to allow those deep passes to develop. But I want to point out rookie Jordan Lewis, who has also become a dirt ball against opposing deep passers so he has something like a 40 like around that 40 that 39.6 mark for deep against deep passes i'm not saying russell wilson won't be able to deep pass in this one because there are other cornerbacks but i want to give some shine to a rookie that you know keep an eye on as we figure out who the defensive rookie of the year you love the
0: dirt ballers i love to celebrate them you
1: take it i do i do every chance always
2: after reviewing the play the receiver in the end zone did not survive the ground it's an incomplete pass This is unbelievable. it'll be pittsburgh's ball second down and 10 at the 10 yard line the game clock is correct and we'll start on the next snap can i agree i think you know based on the premise <laughs> you know when you see it you say that's a catch but according to the rules and it's that's not catch. unprecedented that's a catch the man catches the ball and he's extending the ball over the front edge of the goal line that is a catch and a touchdown National Football League. If the Steelers I know score the rule here, book is
0: it, but Patriots still have the lead for the moment. Let's talk about the strategy here, yeah. though, because now for Pittsburgh, if they score here, they're going to give the Patriots even less time or no time. Well, it is the debate that is not just um, capturing the attention of the football nation, but all of America. Everyone. Even the morning shows, the afternoon shows, they all want to know, was Jesse James catch a catch and not a catch? Why was it a catch? Why was it not a catch? What is this crazy rule they have? And you went to one of the smartest folks that we have rolling around NFL Network, Super Bowl winning coach, Ryan Billick, to discuss that and a whole host of other things. Right.
1: We had a really great conversation and he's like he has some really great like he'll say it. He's not, you know, some some former coaches will kind of like sugarcoat things. Not Billick. Well, let's hear. We have such a special treat. I'm joined today by NFL Network analyst, head coach of the Super Bowl, 35 winning Baltimore Ravens. (gasps) My favorite author, Brian Billick. Thank you so much for what, uh,
2: anyway, which of those do you do? How in what order should I rank?
1: Well, them? actually, the order really is two-time dad. You're right. Two-time grandfather. grandfather. Yeah, you got
2: that right. Yeah,
1: and then I like the NFL Network thing because that's like how I sure. know you. Sure. And then I mean, you won a Super Bowl, so like that's a really nice piece of jewelry. It's the holiday it's season. It's interesting when
2: I go when I'm I travel as much as I do. Yeah. When I'm in the airport, and you yeah okay. You're a Super Bowl winning coach, career coach, and you think of yourself a certain way. I guarantee you. Seven of the ten people will come up, three will go. Oh, Super Bowl, great, Coach. Seven of them will go. Ah, yeah, I loved Hard Knocks. Yeah, because we were the first yeah. Hard Knocks.
1: You were the first, the original well, Hard Knocks. So
2: I guess. I, okay. Well, and now current years.
1: Playbook star, love that show. I love it. It's a great show. Love that we brought it back. I know it's a. That's honestly like n- no offense to the other shows that I'm on, but that, that's one of I never miss it. We
2: weekly. gotta get you on. We gotta oh. when it gets to an hour, we'll get you on there. Half hour, we have we don't have a lot of time to get great. it all crammed in, in. We it. get to an hour, we'll go. We'll, we'll get you on.
1: Anyways, well, thank you so much for joining yeah. the pod. As you already know, we kind of talked about this before. This pod's really focused on using numbers to help a fan connect with football on a little bit deeper level. And who better to help us with than a coach who can tell us why certain things happen? And I really want to focus on the Steelers. So, mm-hmm. with the loss of Ryan Shazier and like looking ahead to the playoffs, and obviously Antonio Brown's gone for this next two weeks, but potentially into the playoffs, like. What could we potentially be seeing? Let's start on the defensive side of the
2: ball. Well, uh, if those that listen to our show know that Sean and I have a kind of a running routine of of numbers. And, this game has always been, and this is right down your alley, has always been a game of numbers and angles. It really has. Numbers meaning I need more blockers at the point of attack than you have tacklers or mm-hmm. vice versa. Uh, if I can't get a number superiority, I need to get an angle superiority, give them a chance to – you know, beat their opponent because of superior angle with motion or alignment. And if I can't get those things, then it's all about matchup. Yep. And so for the Steelers in particular, when you talk about the defense, we saw it a little bit last week. Everybody talked about how Tom Brady tears apart the zone principles of the Steelers. And that goes back to Dick LeBeau and obviously Keith Butler's doing the same thing. And that's true to a degree and none better at it. They're disciplined. They know where their drops are. Uh, they they, they zone pressure, which is, you know, now it's commonplace, but before it was, you know, new to the day. They came out of their comfort zone because they said, okay, we can't, we don't get the angles and the numbers advantage against this team, so we got to go to the man-to-man matchups, and that's what they did. Very effectively in the first half, it was interesting for me, we're doing a bit on Playbook um, about that very thing with Gronkowski. Oh, they yeah. had the number superiority. In the first half, they doubled, they bracketed, they kept a safety over the top. For some reason, they went away from that in the second half. So when it boiled down to can't get the numbers, can't get the angles, one-on-one matchups, it was it was ugly with Gronkowski up and down the field. So yeah. going For Ryan
1: forward, right, replacement, Sean Smith, that was a very a very disadvantageous matchup for him
2: right and if I if I lose an inside back of course I had a pretty good one in in Ray Lewis and and Ray was was pretty (laughs) resilient but when we didn't have a Ray Lewis on the odd times when Ray was hurt it makes a difference in terms of the expectation I mean the interior lines job is to again numbers and angles gobble up the blocks if I'm a defensive lineman I can gobble up two interior linemen that means my linebacker's free to flow through a gap, unless it's a guy that's not good enough to do that, to fill that gap, to pull that trigger. So uh, if that's the case, in the case of, of, uh, of Pittsburgh, the loss of Ryan Shazier is probably more emotional as the leader of the defense. As the inside linebacker, there's more things they can do to protect what they're asking of that inside linebacker is a little less than maybe what they were asking of a, a Joe Hayden. Now, if you flip it to the other side now and Antonio Brown, now that's that's a huge difference because of what defenses now don't have to do to account for an antonio brown
1: so when i close my eyes what do the defense what what changes on opposing defenses without antonio brown
2: well and i've always said from the defense's standpoint i can stop whatever i want i don't care how good you are at throwing the ball running the ball i can stop your best player right i can bracket One best i can player. <laughs> right what's the problem is if i put all my resources into stopping antonio brown then you you've got martavius bryant you've got uh, juju smith schuster you've got uh, obviously Bell, Bell, the, the best game, ever right. uh the tight ends who were big uh, uh the previous yes. week because they were configured to take away those outside threats so now if i don't have to you, you saw it in the game the minute they, in order to, to stop Antonio Brown, they kept 3-over-2, 2-over-2. Two, two two. At no point was Antonio Brown not going to have help over the top. For some reason, and the tight ends killed him. So, again, numbers and angles. If I'm going to take away the outside because of this. I'm one-on-one inside with Jesse James and Vance McDonald had a big game the week before. So, they, you know, after a while and they had 14 receptions, it's okay, we're going to change that 3-over-2 on the inside the minute you're one-on-one with Antonio Brown. Ben Rothsberger says, okay, I'm going right He's like, vertical. here's
1: my 135-plus passer rating. I'm going right, right now. Right there.
2: So if you now don't have to account for that, and I can bring those numbers and angles into the interior, account for uh, Le'Veon Bell, you know, pick and choose a little bit as to who I think's the most dangerous, it's a huge advantage. But now that's the key to the Pittsburgh is they, they spread you so far when you have to account. It's like whack-a-mole. Which of these guys do I have to focus on? And that's tough on a, on a defense.
1: So obviously the next two games, we got Texans this week and then ending the season with the Browns. Those two games we project the Steelers to win pretty handily in both. Is there something we could be potentially looking at on the offense or defense for clues as to how they might fare into the postseason?
2: Uh, I, th- that one, I don't know. I, th- there, they should probably be a 35, 40 carry game these next two weeks. Look, That's we're going to pound I away. Imagine. Uh, although Cleveland is, is their, their defensive front seven's not bad against the run. Houston, obviously with all the injuries is not what they used to be. But even having said that, um, I don't know that Ben wants to go out and do a 50 throw game. These last two games, I think you're going to see a lot of heavy run. Uh, not the least of which is those offenses may be challenged. It's one thing if I got to keep up, you know, and it's a track meet. But if I can make this a heavy Le'Veon Bell 35-40 run, and not all Le'Veon Bell, they'll spread the wealth. I'm in control of the game. I don't have to take a lot of shots. I don't have to expose Ben to a lot of, you know, scrambling around the way he does and take the hits. That's If I'm Mike Tomlin and and Todd Haley, that's the game plan I want to play go in, get the buy, let everybody get healthy, and now I get Antonio Brown back, and now we, we open up the Pandora's box of, okay, now who are you going to cover?
1: Are you in any way, so obviously you mentioned it a little bit with Lev Bell where you're saying, you know, they're going to spread the wealth around a little bit. Are you are any way, like, concerned that maybe the heavy usage in the next two games could potentially be a problem? Obviously, injury aside. You, you always had that
2: question, particularly a uh, few times where we've had our, our playoff seeding set. Yep. And you go into the last game or the last two games. The problem in sitting players down is you are just the question you're alluding to is very real. Am I going to press someone into, let's say, a defensive player that's primarily special teams guy? And he's going to take maybe 15, 20 snaps a game, maybe four five, six snaps. On the regular defense. Now you're going to take that guy and he's going to be 65 snaps on defense and still be the 15-20 snaps on special teams. You now may be exposing a player, all but a second level player, to injury because of the increased playing time. So, you know, the idea of setting guys down, the quarterback clearly, okay, real clear cut. Uh, I remember when we were uh, in our Super Bowl year, we were playing the New York Jets. And uh, and again, keep in mind we were an t- organization that hadn't had a winning season since its inception. But I'm trying to do a good coaching thing, and I'm telling the guys, you know, Jets, we win or lose doesn't affect our playoff seating whatsoever. So this guy's going to sit down. This guy said, Ray, you don't, you know, we're not going to. And and Ray, as he typically do, very respectfully, let me go through my deal and then come up to the office afterwards and say, Coach, uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> okay, I'm playing. We need to play. <laughs> um, and and there's there's a there's a thought with that too. But the minute you do. And you're right. We just laid out the game plan, and let's run the ball. The minute you do, and then Le'Veon Bell gets hurt, now you're the village idiot for doing it that way.
1: Right. So that's something that, as we're watching these next two games, so obviously Houston has a bunch of injuries, and their defensive front is not kind of what we're used to from them. Typically we see them sort of be like the Patriots with those multiple front. Right. They, they like, play not a particular, you know, they're, like, very shady, like, shades of different multiple right. fronts, right. right? So unfortunately, we won't be able to like really map that to what could happen with the Patriots. But you cannot bring up the Steelers without bringing up Steelers-Patriots, right. especially this past week, the crazy call. I loved our conversation before we started Taping this about like there are two things you don't know. One of them I agree with you, and we don't know what a catch is, so we're not even gonna try. And you, I love that you're like I don't even know what we need in a head coach right now.
2: Yeah, and we're coming up on that season. Regrettably, right. we're gonna have you know Black Monday and Tuesday, and everything goes crazy. And, right. You know, right now everybody's saying, well, there could be eight, ten coaching changes, and then we say that, and it gets down to like four or five. Uh, which is, re- again, I'm a coach. Any any coach gets <laughs> fired it's a bad thing in my mind. But, but you go through that, and the league is morphing in terms of, in my opinion, it's become a general manager's league. Mm-hmm. And what they're looking for in their head coach is a little different than it was in, in my day.
1: Yeah, well, the the cool thing about that part though is like when you look at the two coach two coaches that aren't going anywhere are Tomlin and Belichick. Yeah. they're they're stuck right. there. But it could have changed that the outcome of this potential this last game that call that everyone knew, whatever it's a catch it's not a catch we're going to go with that it's not a catch because that's what they went with. You know that could come down to that championship the conference championship sure. game being played in Foxborough versus being played you know in, at Heinz Field and really over the past ten years there's only been one team actually. Was the Ravens, who right. did not, who was an away team that won that co- right. conference championship to go into the Super Bowl? Do you think that that's that is the is that home field as a coach, field?
2: as a competitor, and in their heart of hearts, Mike Tomlin, and that team will tell you we don't care, we'll go into Foxborough, where we we know that as close as that game was, we know we can beat them. In their heart of hearts, now, more pragmatically, the 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 thing I would concern be concerned about as a coach even though you have that bravado and that confidence is if something bad happens early as can happen in Foxborough
1: like Gronkowski
2: where is your reference frame to say we're okay we can weather the storm emotionally you'll want to do that Mm -hmm. but intellectually when you have the track record that you've had um, that's the thing as a coach you've got to be very conscious of you got to break it down and when that what and it happens. I always used to say particularly on the road you got to weather the storm. Just figure something bad's going to happen. Let's not panic and you prepare just like in training camp you prepare your team. You don't wake up during the course of the season with an injury and go oh my god what do we do now? your team might react that way but that's why in training camp you prep them with the idea of look one of you all going to get hurt or more mm-hmm. and that's why all 53 on the roster you know you push we're all in this as you know it's a long long season you prepare them for that so that when it happens there's not this sense of panic but when you have the track record that pittsburgh now has with new england and what are they going to hear if we get to that non-stop from talking heads <laughs> like us right. well they haven't won in so far and this they're, go- they're gonna hear a million reasons why it can't get done and that will buoy them up to a degree and they'll fight against it emotionally and mm-hmm. work hard in competitors but if that bad thing happens early that that would be the concern because now where's the reference frame to say no we're okay
1: i mean that's amazing insight and definitely not something you can see with just numbers right no
2: well but yeah to a degree you know in fact that's that's the way i would combat it if i'm mike tomlin you to get down into the weeds a little bit with the numbers you got to give your players a hook even if it's a placebo even if it's not real even if it's phony math or fake news to use a <laughs> local popular uh, 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 political term but the players want that and if you can give them even a placebo of let me show you something that no one else knows The numbers in terms of our run per average on this stat, you'll find something. You
1: can find something, and if
2: you can find that little hook, Mm -hmm. and it comes to fruition early, you know, if we if we run on first down, we can be. And then you run on first down and it's successful. Now the players are going, "Oh, we got him! Oh, we coaches, coaches, brilliant! We it is a momentum is a false a force multiplier when you can get one of that one of those little hooks." That was the classic Bill Walsh. Bill in his opening, you know, twenty five plays, which Bill Walsh was the protagonist of, and the way he practiced it, you can ask the players. If in an opening series or in that opening fifteen or twenty you were hitting it, your confidence is like, Oh, we got it. We I mean it's unbelievable. You can physically physically see how players latch on to that and just swell up and get better than they actually are because they think they've got that hook, that difference.
1: Do you think Coach, Coach Walsh would like analytics or do you think he'd, he'd be able to deal with me? You,
2: you know what? <laughs> it, 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 that's a good question. You know, Bill yeah. Bill would be one that would love to argue with you about it, but he'd want to know every single one. <laughs> part of him would go, on, well, I don't know but that's me actually about, most coach tell me about such and such like oh bill. yeah well
1: what about third down and red zone like in yeah
2: bill was uh I when i it. was um, i'm telling you more stories than you know because no, I, I, I started out as bill walsh's pr guy and this was before the internet now okay bill would always come in and we were terrible the first two years so bill was always looking for some statistical hook to kind of say well we're not that bad but subtle with it and bill was a master manipulator so he would come in it's and i'm hard. and he'd say brian um Steve Berg's our quarterback, and he's thrown like a couple, three, four games in a row of 300-yard three hundred games that we lost. He goes, find out the record for the most consecutive 300-yard games that team's lost. Well, I'm calling Elias. Again, now you're just doing the Internet. Now, right. I, you know, I'm, I'm – Calling
1: I- Elias. You're calling – And young. so,
2: I'd, okay, and I'd, okay, I got it. Here it is. It was in 1971, and it was this, you know, and it was these <laughs> games. So, I'd give that to Bill. And he'd get in his news conference, and he was a master at this. I don't care what the question was. At some point, he'd go – Guys, I'm not sure about this. Double check me, because I'm not it's like it was just in the back of his head. And he go, but I think the last time a quarterback threw for consecutive 300-yard games and lost was Kenny Anderson back. And people are going, <laughs> he just pulled that right out. I'm, I'm Alec like Albert Brooks and Broadcast News going, I write it. It comes out his mouth. His mouth. That's that's incredible. It was it was great fun though. I learned a lot.
1: I mean, that's an incredible way to be, right? Got, oh, gosh, yeah. If you can handle press conferences like that. Well, I think last time someone had, that's it. A- yeah, see, I, I, I did it different. I just
2: one. I just pissed everybody off and then they could go write whatever they wanted to write and off they went.
1: That's amazing. So I got to ask this one question. Mm-hmm. Which call, if you're a coach, which call? I'm going to give you two to choose from. Mm-hmm. Which call is the one that like just gets you know is a burn your side? Is it the Golden Tate no touchdown Lions game against Atlanta securing them the tiebreaker over Detroit, or is it this last call? You know Heinz Field the the right. no the no touchdown catch yeah, here's surviving my, the ground. Here's
2: my problem with it, and I understand that both were called properly, as the rules are written, but at the heart of it. When and and we talked about it earlier, Tony Dungy very articulately said, "Only in the NFL—that's the only football field in all the world—where that's not a touchdown." And I think that's something we have to consider. When it—I did the Calvin Johnson game. Oh gosh. And I remember going back with Mike, I was there back and oh. forth with Mike Prayer, and I'll tell you a true story that underlines my point. Particularly in a time where the league is under barrage a little bit, the fans are kind of on the league. When not withstanding the people in New England, but when America looks at that and says, dang, that's a touchdown. Mm-hmm. It ought to be a touchdown. When we did the Calvin Johnson game, and Mike Pereira and I are on air, and I'm arguing going, but that, you know, it, this and what's possession and this, that, and the other... So I'm, on the, I'm going to the airport after the game, and I call my then 95-year-old mother, who would, anything I was doing, you know, coaching or broadcasting, she's watching. So she watched the game.
1: I got one of those.
2: 95 years old, she says, tell me about that last play, why that wasn't a touchdown. And she's been doing this for as long as I was coaching and playing and broadcasting. So she has a pretty good idea of football. Explain why that wasn't a touchdown. So I give her the verbatim, here's what it is. And her answer was priceless and one that the league ought to consider coming out of the mouth of a 95-year-old grandmother. She said, my, that just doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know, it, 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 as a fan looking right. at it, you know, I don't know what you tell players now other than, look, you get if you catch a ball, I want you to bring it back to the sideline, mm-hmm. sit on the bench, give it to nobody but me until I tell you, yes, it's okay to give it up. Because, And I understand what they're doing, and I'm making light of it to a degree, but I think we have – overregulated it a bit to where let's remember all the officials said oh no that's a touchdown cuz instinctively like mm-hmm. the rest of us oh no that's a touchdown the single part that i don't like the rule does say that if you you have possession if you perform a football act mm-hmm. to me when you're going down and you extend act? the arm mm-hmm. much like des bryant in the green oh, bay gosh. game last year yeah. but to me if you have the wherewithal the time and the body presence to now willfully extend the ball with possession and you break the plane that's control what happens once you break the plane now had it been open in field same way you showed control but this extending of the ball anytime I talk to the officials they don't seem to see that as an act common to the game to me that's control saying I have enough control that I've extended the ball and there'll be a lot of conversations about this in league meetings I'm Absolutely. sure in the off season.
1: I cannot thank you enough oh no, spending it. some great. time. thank you so much things we can agree on you are amazing we love playbooks. I appreciate thank that. you so That's much great. things we can also grant we both don't know how to survive the ground we don't even know what that exactly is. wouldn't even try catches. wouldn't even wouldn't even try to begin there thank you so much really appreciate it
0: well as you said he is uh someone who is very opinionated very strong in his convic- convictions and uh is not afraid to let you know that
1: I mean, I like that he brought his 95-year-old mother That was fantastic.
0: (laughs) Look, we all have an anecdotal measurement for uh, how to determine the way things ought to play out in the world of sports, and why not a 95-year-old, right?
1: If Marianne Freeland, once she gets to 95, there will be way more curse words in there.
0: Well, that's what happens when you get old. You stop caring, is I think essentially what happens. I mean, look, when you talk to people around the league, it is hard to get them to commit to any sort of competition committee changes, uh, why? How did we find ourselves here? You know, Bert Emanuel is now a star because it was his catch that led to this creation of a rule in the first place. What was it? Seventeen, sixteen, or seventeen years ago? Maybe it was eighteen years ago. I think. And we're still debating it. And there's still going to be plays at the end of every season. They're going to lead you to sit down with Coach Brian Billick in 2018. And ask him the exact same questions of how did we get here?
1: I just like the idea of surviving the ground. Like, I just think it's just such a funny term. and yep. it's such a funny, like, surviving the ground control. But, like, I'm just like, whatever. Like, somebody's going to tell me. And you just have to adjust to it after.
2: Fourth down and 14. 30-yard line of Carolina. Rodgers in the shotgun. Three by one. Three receivers left. One to the right. Set back to the left side of Aaron Rodgers. And here's the snap to Rogers. Rodgers. Rogers steps up. He's hit and sacked. Julius Peppers got around. Jason Spitz and makes the sack back near the 40-yard line. Oh, my goodness.
0: And that sound there of Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers season ending.
1: Former teammates.
0: Brings it right, but just for a brief moment.
1: Julius Peppers. Just for a brief moment. Julius Peppers. I don't know if there's a better one. You're going to have to tell me this one. Is there a better dual college athlete in the NFL right now
0: Van Julius who played for the North Carolina basketball uh-huh. team Tar Heel in the NFL right now he didn't really do well he was he was pretty good
1: he was pretty good yeah
0: he was pretty good um, was he
1: still there with, with Dean Smith or is he uh
0: Smith? Bill no Cuthridge? I believe I believe he was Dean Smith
1: I think he was too
0: um yeah I mean Antonio Gates but he did it for Kent State not North Carolina and uh but both of those guys are hall of famers uh, boy that's tough you it's have you got one. me because I'm trying to think of, of some other uh, some other guys that might have played baseball or something. Drew along Henson, those lines. <laughs> no, not very good. Yeah, it's it's going to be hard to top Gates. I mean, I, as far as players that are currently playing, that's for certain. Obviously, Dion uh, playing baseball. He was pretty good. Yes, playing yeah. Major League Baseball and yeah. NFL football. Going to be hard to top that.
1: And one. if you ball, you get the
0: call. There is that as well. (laughs) Or as all the guys like to remind Dion, oh, you got to make that baseball money. (laughs) Yes, he did. They play 162 games a year, 10 times more than you. They make more money. All right. Uh, (laughs) Let's get to it. The Your Teams Matter Vikings Packers, a Saturday special.
1: Saturday special of the Vikings coming out on top 28-18. This one's interesting. Just going forward, obviously, the Packers don't. You know, we're not going to see the Packers in the postseason for, like, the first time in forever. But um, Keith Keenum in passing, obviously. He's a top three passer rating in. Ready? You re- ready for it? I'm ready. Tight windows, intermediate passes, passes outside the tackle box, and less than 2.5-second throws, so quick throws.
0: Best $2 million a team has ever spent in the history of the NFL.
1: I, I Honestly, I mean, is there a better one? Just, Thielen and Diggs. Thielen is the higher projection for me, just kay. so you know.
0: Uh, you know what I'm watching with the Packers' final two games? is how much are they going to get for Brett Hundley? If he can continue to play at a high level, they may be able to convert that into a pretty darn good draft pick uh, for a team that is looking for a quarterback but won't have a shot at one of the top two uh, in the draft. Or maybe, you know, there could be four rounders. Anyway, that, that I think is something because they do that routinely. They yep. have always done that in Green Bay is develop a backup when he's ready to start, you 100%. then trade him and get that second.
1: And then you sign uh, Aaron Rodgers for 31 there you go.
0: Colts-Ravens, also Saturday.
1: Colts-Ravens. Ravens Ravens coming out on top 27-16. Ready for my Kent State. So Antonio Gates Gates went to Kent State. Uh, Dean Pease, the defensive coordinator of the Ravens, he wa- He was a coach at Kent State for a while. Defensive coordinator, that's why the Ravens went. No, that's not why, but it Let's is go that golden they're flashes. going to, right? So Joe Flacco has the second lowest air yards per attempt this season. Mike Glennon's is the lowest, in case you're keeping track. 7.1 air yards per attempt. That's very low, so very conservative. But it has helped drive an increase in his passer rating. Weeks 1 to 10, 38.2, second lowest. And in weeks 11 through 15, it went up to almost 84
0: I will uh, just add this nugget for fantasy folks, if for pick whatever up reason. Pick that Ravens D. Just, or pick up Flacco. He's yeah. got he's got over two or more touchdown yeah, the Colts passes ma- look what last Bre- five weeks.
1: Brock Osweiler yeah. will tell you how that And the how Colts D be- is not good. Right. And Ravens D plus 13 in the past five games. Yowza's.
0: All right, give it to me. All right. Browns, so Bears, give it to me. I know you this want it. This is the one. It. I know this you is want the it. I'm, one. Not, I'm
1: not giving it to you. Bears 23-18. Mm. Okay.
0: <laughs> Taking <it> the <to> Browns. <laughs> Taking the Browns.
1: My model likes this at 60.3%, so we put the confidence in these. By the way, Vikings, Packers, and Colts, Ravens, all up over 78%. So, Browns, Bears, 60.3%.
0: Give me the Browns and Josh Gordon. Two hundred yards, three touchdowns. Oh, okay. Touchdowns.
1: So you don't like you're? I'm actually saying to take the Bears D because Kaiser in the past three games has five interceptions and two fu- two fumbles. Akeem Hicks has yeah. a lot to say about that. Eddie Jackson, gonna let that happen. And by the way, Kaiser has six red zone interceptions and about a forty red zone passer rating. And just you very, think that's going to beat the Bra- the Bears
0: very quietly. Kyle Fuller has been one of the best yeah. cover corners. Yeah, he has. Uh, he's been very good. But and I'm still taking the Browns because this is their last chance at it. Uh, Lions, <laughs> Bengals.
1: Uh, Much to my chagrin, I have the Lions coming out on top 23-20 and about 59%.
0: Still alive. Uh,
1: If you'd like to play, obviously Green, but Croft or maybe even LaFell if you're only playing in a one-week situation, um, those all pop in my model as potential fantasy upside picks. And I think you could even potentially stream the Lions D, though. I know I am just told you to about three offensive players, but you could, you know, it depends on you know, how you're valuing things, right? So LaFell for a uh, one-week situation, but the Lions' D this week. Last week, three interceptions and two sacks, 13 quarterback hits. Uh, Bengals' last two games, they've given up six sacks, a defensive score, and three interceptions.
0: I will just say, uh, if you're Tyler Croft and you're going to demand the ball like a six-year-old girl in NJB basketball screaming, me, me, catch it. <laughs> catch it when Andy Dalton <laughs> throws it to you. Um, <laughs> Bucks, Panthers, what do we got?
1: <laughs> Panthers coming out on top, 24-17. This one has really strong odds. It's about 72%. <laughs> I want to point out that Cam Newton, he's 11-1, and so that's his touchdown interceptions. Since week 11, that's not... Typical cam, so no tur- the the turnover-free cam is a nice one. 643 rushing yards is the most amongst quarterbacks. I have him projected for over 40 this week, so if your fantasy league rewards rushing yards for a quarterback, that is a good one. He's my number two overall quarterback this week, and I got a Funches touchdown for you and an Olson touchdown for you.
0: And very quietly, Jameis having a nice close to the season for, for all of the conversation that Jameis is not a number one pick, Jameis not this. J- he has had a nice stretch of games. Dirk
1: Cutter, the, the coach next year? <laughs>
0: I, don't like, I no. don't like firing guys. No, no. I, I'm just asking. Like, but, uh, I'm just asking your opinion. Yeah. Broncos Redskins. Yeah.
1: Washington coming out on top 22-16. And I have a pr- you know, a, a nice little pretty Washington defensive streamer. If you're really searching for
0: one here, too. Gosh, you're streaming a lot of defenses.
1: I, people are looking for defense. I get, I think I get a lot of questions. Yeah. Cynthia, where's defense? Because it's the one thing play? you stream. Right. So last four week, Washington's had 12 sacks, three interceptions, and a defensive touchdown. And then so we got Paxton Lynch starting, but my model likes my model thinks Brock Osweiler will play in this game. Past four games, th- uh, they've given up 13 sacks, seven turnovers, and a defensive touchdown.
0: I'm pushing back. Finally. I'm going to take the Browns, and I'm taking the Broncos because that Redskins O-line is done. It's out. It's over. It's the best defense still for as bad as that team is. That is still the best front seven. Their defense is great. And they're going to get after it. That's the defense to stream, but guess what? You're not streaming it because it's owned. Right. I was about to say, I don't (laughs) think that's possible to stream. (laughs) Chargers, Jets.
1: All right, I got the Chargers coming out on top 25-20.
0: Still alive.
1: Still alive, Jamal Adams leads all safeties in the entire league with run stops. I love my little rookie shine there. Right. I love him. He's great. Um, and I, I like the Philip Rivers after a three-interception game. He's had nine games following the three-interception game, which means he's thrown three interceptions in nine games. He's four and five, which is interesting. Has a 61% completion percentage. Has thrown 13 touchdowns and five interceptions and has an 86 passer rating in those games.
0: He's got ten picks this season. Six of them. Went to the Chiefs. Yeah. Six interceptions yeah. against the Chiefs of yeah. his 10 interceptions. Uh, just a little nugget and doing my prep for this game that I found kind of interesting. Um, their D-line has... More passes defense than interceptions than any other team uh-huh. in the league, and it's like fivefold. It's crazy. Coney ely has got nine passes defense. I mean, they know how to tip balls at the line of scrimmage. Just last week, Leonard Williams got an interception. Mm-hmm. Wilkerson has an interception. It's crazy when you see those kind of statistics for a defense. Todd Bowles
1: will be there next year. I love yeah. it. Todd Bowl I mean, I think if you thought if they didn't lose
0: McCown, you know, I mean, that's a team that finishes somewhere between eight and eight. 7-9 and 9-7 nine and, nine and seven, that people had pegged to be a one-win team Correct. if they were lucky. Uh, Jags, 49ers. Jimmy G Your, your strikes fave. again.
1: Jimmy G does not strike again. I have the Jags coming out on top, 28-21. But Probably. if he does. But if he does. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not saying he's going to be good. I'm just saying that this defense has a 65.2 passer rating, allowed 51 sacks, 15 points per game, allowed all number It's actually 14.9 points per game. All of those equal number one. He can't do it alone. He needs a little more help. Jimmy G, that is. so Certainly.
0: This defense, right. considerably different than all the other defenses he had been facing on this win streak. Quite a bit different. Beat up Texans, although the Bears are good. The Bears um, are good. Titans defense, pretty good.
1: Although you have the Bears losing to the Browns, so I do. okay. Well,
0: it's, you know, teams don't go. <laughs> unless you're in Detroit, teams don't go 0-16. and 16. So cool. That's the, the way it works. Um. I just – I'm waiting for that Blake Bortles game. I, I'm waiting for it. I can't – it's hard for me. You know what
1: it is, though? I, just, I don't see it in this one because the, the ability for San Francisco to give up definitely. rushing yards. I mean, look, Fournette has faced eight-plus de- defenders in the box, the most in the NFL, 52.4%. He's still number eight in rushing yards, and he missed three games.
0: And Marcus Mariota actually had a good game. I, I think Malarkey kind of blew that game last week.
1: Um, Would you say that call was Malarkey?
0: See that? See what you did Dad there? Dad jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Marcus Mariota's moving the ball. And for whatever reason, they got conservative. They gave the ball back to the 49ers. And the uh the legend of Jimmy Garoppolo continues. Giants-Cardinals.
1: Cardinals come out on top
0: 24-19. In Arizona, by the way. In Arizona. One,
1: yeah. Yeah, and Drew Stanton's playing. And Larry Fitzgerald is a great, especially in one-week situations, Larry Fitzgerald is like a top option in one-week situations.
0: Okay. Uh, Steelers-Texans.
1: Steelers come out on top 28-20.
0: And who are we starting in place of Antonio Brown if you're on a fantasy team? Are eh. you starting both Juju and Martavis Bryant?
1: So if it's a one-week situation, Bryant has the better, like, upside based on kind of what you'd be, you know, thinking of him for the week. Juju and Bryant are supposedly splitting the n- wide out one responsibilities. So the bigger uptick is for Bryant, but I think Juju's the more assured receiver. So I think Juju's a safer option of those two. Um,
0: and and finally, obviously
1: Bell is, like, yeah. number one.
0: Finally, raiders Not for you, though,
1: because you have Ezekiel Elliott as the number one.
0: There's that. 80 carries. (laughs)
1: Finally. I have the Eagles coming out on top, 28-17.
0: And by the way, all of these, uh, because Minnesota plays on Saturday, if they lose and the Eagles wrap up number one, they're going to rest – they can't rest, guys. Nick Foles has been their quarterback for a game. The guy needs reps. They need to get comfortable. They need to have right. some sort of working chemistry with one another.
1: Now, next week against next the Cowboys, week's totally different. Totally different. Yes. And you got to also remember the the Eagles when when they run the run pass option. That's what they did with Wentz. That's what they did with Foles. They run a
0: spread. My God, it's it's like watching college football.
1: Correct. And Foles knows how to do this from when he when Chip Kelly was there before. We talked about this before. We just got to get see if we can see the deep ball come back this week a little bit because against the Giants it was like 94 passer rating on short, 123 passer rating on intermediate, and like 39 passer rating on deep. He was 0 for three in the
0: deep ball. But four tugs, no picks. We'll take it.
1: Correct. And in this one, the Raiders' defense's secondary is a good one to target to get that deep ball working.
0: All right. Three predictions. Let's do it. It's your confidence index, the three that you believe the most in.
1: I believe the most in the Jags, 28-21 against the 49ers. I just believe in a lot of points a lot of in points. that game. hmm Okay. Um, the Vikings, 28-18. I just believe that the Vikings are going to be the winner there.
0: Have you contacted uh, Mr. Coldmiser? Because it is supposed to be zero degrees.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm I'm into it. Okay, we're fine. All right. Um, I just think there's gonna be more points than you might expect in that one. Works for me. Okay, and then I also think that the Panthers and Bucks games is gonna have less points than you might imagine. You got to remember how a lot good of points. Less than you might imagine.
0: Your confidence is lots of points uh, in the Jags, Niners, Vikings, Packers, and your confidence is not a lot of points.
1: Not a lot of points okay. in the Panthers and Bucks.
0: Got it. Thank you to all of you that uh, share the podcast with us and with your friends and with all of your followers on social media, be it Twitter, Facebook, wherever. That is how we spread the word on this podcast as it is pretty new. You can subscribe, make it easy on yourself. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever podcast uh, platform you like to use, we are available. And if you could help us continue to grow the podcast, uh, that's helped by leaving reviews and ratings on iTunes. Uh, This is a five-star review submitted by Joe Bell 1215. Thank you, Joe. Let's go, period. Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame.